0: All right we've come to the end to the end of this series the series that we've called what's new we've been looking at the new really everything really we started with the new you we talked about how without christ in our lives we are we are really just dead we're distorted we're we're unable to be what god wants us to be but with christ in us we become the new Creation that God wants us to be—the new you, each and every one of us, unique in that way. And then, as we live out this newness, Christ urges us to become part of a community of other new creations, and we call that the of this body right here. And how together we work as one to both build each other up lift each other up, encourage each other, hold each other accountable, take care of each other. But as we talked about last week, our greatest mission as body, as this new church, is how we engage the community around us, the new community. Alright? So we've I've specifically crafted this series to have the focus continue to grow. And today I will not disappoint you as we grow even further. Okay, so we're moving away from ourselves. We're moving away from the the church body, this corporate thing we call the church here. We're moving even further out from just the community around us, Placerville, Springs, wherever you call home, to the new kingdom. Kingdom, that's a big word, right? I I mean, that encompasses everything. That's like the world. I mean, how do we tackle the world? I mean, we're just us, and the world is the world, right? But we're going to—I hope, I hope, this is my hope, and I pray that God will allow this to happen. My hope is that we can see that you are able to impact that, okay? So, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God, which is the new kingdom, all right? And the reason I'm using the term new kingdom, because the kingdom of God really is not a new thing, it's been around a long time, but it's because it's very different than the kingdom that we reside in of the world. Now I know that there's a Sunday school class going on right now called the two kingdoms, right? Or the, what is it called, Steve? The conflict, clash of kingdoms, thank you, conflict clash thing and it's it is very much addressing this thing that the kingdom of god clashes or competes with the kingdom of the world because the kingdom of the world tells us that you're the most important thing that everything that you want is the thing you should strive for it's all about you selfishness kingdom of god is the absolute opposite instead of it being about what you can acquire and how powerful you can be it's about how we give freely to others and to lift others up all right we're gonna look a little, we're gonna look more at that today okay now the Bible talks about the kingdom of God in several different ways and the one that most of us think of when we hear the kingdom of God is actually the one that it talks about at the least which is the end the one we're all going towards right when revelation hits and whatever happens happens and all of a sudden kingdom of God is established, the new heaven, the new earth, right? Daniel talks about it too. That's the one we think about when we think about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to come. We're, we're striving towards it. That's not the one we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the one Jesus talks about primarily. Now, Jesus affirms that the kingdom of God is out there as well. I want you to understand that. I don't want you to think I am saying that Jesus isn't affirming that revelation is true or that the end is not going to happen and that the kingdom of God will not be established permanently at the end. He does. He he does. He mentions that several times. But what he overwhelmingly talks about is the kingdom at hand. The kingdom is here with us. All right? It's not one that we're we're waiting on. It's one that we are living in. Okay? And he talks about it in a very in very kind of I don't know what the proper term is for this, not aloof or like out there terms, but but they are they're terms that you have to kind of work to to get. Does that make sense? The kingdom of God is not necessarily an easy thing to get but at the same time it's the easiest thing in the world to get because all you need is Christ in you to have it okay it's, it it's a dichotomy but it's there all right so i'm going to look at a couple verses that we that shows what some of the things jesus says about the kingdom because i was joking with uh steve and jim earlier they asked how i if i was ready and how i felt about this morning I said I'm nervous because the topic we're talking about, the kingdom of God, it, it spans the whole Bible. And I'm not going to preach the whole Bible to you today. Amen. All right. <laughs> but but I, I want you to understand that what I'm what we're going to focus on are not the only things that the Bible says about the kingdom. So I encourage you to look at the whole Bible. Read it all. Okay? Because it, it it tells you lots about the kingdom of God. And and so Jesus talks about the kingdom as this thing that we should strive for above everything else. Okay. And in Matthew 13, verses 44 and 45, he talks about two different examples. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he did, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and brought and bought that field. Okay, that's, that's the first example. The second one is, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, he sold everything he had, and he bought it. So when Jesus is talking here, he's not actually talking about what the kingdom of God necessarily is, but what our response is to it. He says it's a treasure, that it has great value, okay? But more importantly is he says we, the the people go off and they give up everything in order to get it. That is the way we should treat our lives with Christ. Christ is not an accessory to our, our normal lives. Like, you know, here's, you know, I'm a guy. If you haven't noticed, and and so uh, as men like to carpet, oh man, I'm gonna blow that word. Compartmentalize their lives, right? We have this here, and this is you know this is family, work, you know, church, whatever, whatever. That is not what Christ is. Christ is not a compartment of my life. He is my all life. And women get that a lot easier. Women don't compartmentalize. They live in a web of amazingness. I, I fixed it. I caught myself. I, I I caught myself. Everything is connected to everything, right, in a woman's mind, which is great. And I don't understand how it works. And it baffles me and confuses me and sometimes frustrates me. But it's amazing. And so for you women, uh, Christ being everything is easy because he just naturally goes to all the different things you have involved in your life. For me, as a man, I have to work at it a little bit more. So, kudos to you women. You've got it easy. <laughs> Not true either. Oh my <laughs> I need I'm digging a hole. <laughs> Just my iPad closed, lost my spot. Woo. Okay. We have been talking about how we age the world around us. And Jesus gave us an amazing model. Life of how to do that. He was constantly engaging his world. He was not like every other rabbi who just went around and found a spot where people could sit around. Jesus was very hands on. He wanted to engage the people. And, and it, the Bible says repeatedly that the, the message he said from the day one of his ministry was to repent for the kingdom is at hand. And he did that while he was healing people, feeding people, curing diseases, and casting out demons, addressing sin and transgressions within people that were forgotten and unloved. Every story about him is what he is him doing that, and he's challenged repeatedly for the Pharisees the the religious people. So, is a tangent, and I apologize. I want us to understand that in the Bible, in the stories of Jesus, when it talks about Pharisees, we should take note because the Pharisees were us. They were the people who went to church every Sunday. They thought they knew what the Bible said and what was going to happen. And they were trying to instruct Jesus on how, to, how he was supposed to do what he was doing. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be that. So, just... Anytime we read a passage and it says, and the Pharisees said, insert yourself, and you asked this, you thought this, and I'm not judging you, we all, I don't know how all of you are, but it's a good, we don't want to be that Pharisee. So in Luke 17:20 20 through 21, Jesus once again was being asked by Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Because they're thinking of the far end kingdom. When is the end coming? And Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. The kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is not really a place or a location. It's a way of being. Really, that's what it is. It boils down to not where we're going, but how we get there. How do we live out a life that will get us to that place? And that place is basically what Christ desires us to be. And we talked about that in week one of this series. What does Christ desire us to be? The new you. You see, this is a cycle. It's this circular thing. They're all connected. We we can't live out the kingdom in our lives, which is what we're called to do, without being what God desires us to be, which is that new you. Lots of people try. There's lots of really, really great people out there who think that if they do the right thing, they live the right life, they are good enough, or they give to the right people, or they you know take care of those who are in need, that that is what gets them. That's what that's the that's. How they win in life. And it's not. We talked about that last week. Without faith, all of that work is dead. And we who have that new life, we have to make sure that we don't just think that the faith itself is all it takes. We have to live out the kingdom around us. So, Pastor Sean, how do we live out the kingdom? I'm glad you asked. Read the New Testament. Read the Old Testament. Look at the life of Jesus. Really, that's what it boils down to. Look at the life of Jesus. He was our living example. And how did he live his life? Did he live his life where he went around uh, thinking about what he wanted? Because let me tell you, the one moment, the one moment we see Jesus' kind of selfishness come to the surface a little bit is at the very, very end of his life. Right before he goes to the cross, he has a moment of, of what I think is the most real human moment we see in him. When he sits at that, in my mind, at that tree, and he is praying to God, Lord, if there is any way for what you have planned to be accomplished without me having to go through what I'm about to go through, please let that happen. But he ends that prayer with, but Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. And it's okay for us to have moments where we struggle or we have those kind of selfish thoughts, but as long as we can remember at the end, it's not a about my will, it's about His will. In the Sermon on the Mount, you guys know that part of the Bible, right? Matthew starts in 5 and goes all the way to like almost the end of 7. I think it does go to the end of 7. We're not going to read it all today. But I think that is one of the best user manuals you can find on how to live out this kingdom life. Because Jesus argues; he doesn't argue at all. The different ways that we we have been taught and trained in our lives to live life um, are is not necessarily the right way. He says, "You have heard an eye for an eye, right? It's all about justice. It's all about how do we how do we properly administer justice in the world." Um, so that, you know, that doesn't exceed, you know, the what's what would be considered proper punishment. Equality in punishment for the crime. Okay? Eye for an eye. Then argue that that is wrong. He would say that you are to love your enemies and that we are to pray for them. He would say that if you have even had an angry thought that you have committed murder it's all about your heart and what's going on in here your mind and what's going on in here it's not an outward action it's what it what how are you living inside lots of people live really good lives but internally they still are just as twisted in their thinking but they know the proper thing to say it's kind of a danger of growing up in a church i was a pastor's kid So since I could breathe, I guess, I've been in church. I was going to say since I could walk, but long before that, I've been in church. I know the right answers to every, I know the right answers. And for a long time in my high school and my teenage years and even a little bit in college, I knew what to say to make sure that I looked the way I was supposed to look. And I think that's true for a lot of people in the church. We know what to say. We know how to put the face on, so that when we come in, all of the stuff we've dealt with doesn't come in with us, and people don't see that we're broken and that we need help. Newsflash: We're all broken. We all need help. This is a rescue station. You're supposed to be broken if you're here, right? So don't. We don't have to fake that. And it took me until I was like halfway through college to really understand that—that that I don't have to be what everyone else thinks I should be. I need to be me and wherever I'm at with Christ. Right? And that's what we're all at. And that's living the kingdom, truth, and honesty, love, grace, forgiveness. Okay. That was, let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount. One of the one of the most important parts of the Sermon on the Mount, in my opinion, is when Jesus talks to us about how we should pray for each other. And how we should pray in general. And we're we're going to read the Lord's Prayer. Um, and for some of you it's going to just naturally come out of it, Um, because I worked in a Lutheran church for a while, and I mean, you pray the Lord's Prayer out loud every service, and if you would like to read along with me, you're welcome to. If you don't want to, no, you don't have to. But we're going to start in verse 9 of Matthew 6, and uh, it'll be on the screen if you'd like to follow along here. So in verse 9, it says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in, ha- in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then, as we normally end the Lord's Prayer, it's not in the Scriptures, but for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But I'm going to add two verses that I didn't get put on the slide. These are the two that follow the prayer in in Matthew. It's 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy. Here we are. We've just prayed a prayer about How do we engage the world around us? We're asking the Father to have his kingdom come here on earth. His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. So the kingdom of God is in heaven already. That's his kingdom. We're wanting his kingdom now, his will here now, and we are praying a part of what's happening. And that matches what Jesus is saying, that the kingdom is in your midst. The kingdom is at hand. You are living in the kingdom now. Be praying for it every day. And then it goes on in the prayer to tell you what are some of the parts about being in that kingdom. Give us today our daily bread, which God does every day. Now, some of us take that to mean our literal bread. And for some people, that is a daily prayer. God provide for our needs. But more than anything, the the word itself is our bread. This is our daily bread. We have to be without our scripture, without God speaking into our hearts through the word, we we were malnourished and we're not able to act as part of our, our kingdom. Okay, then forgive us for our debts, that's our own transgressions, our sin, as we have also forgiven all of you. I have to forgive all of you your transgressions that you've done towards me. Okay, then lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. When we live in the kingdom of God, we have to live the way Christ did. And I think you're getting that. I've said it a few times now. That means we love each other. We care for each other. We give grace in moments that sometimes we don't want to give grace. We give grace in all moments, but there are sometimes we don't want to give grace. And we forgive each other. And it's not just that we forgive our own body, but we forgive everyone. For everything, we pray for those who don't deserve forgiveness in our minds, while we forgive them. Right? Pray for your enemies. You see, in the reason that we do that is because um, we're we're supposed to be many Jesuses. I said that last week. For those of you who weren't here. I use that term with my youth groups, my youth group that I, um, I used to be the youth pastor for. I would constantly tell them, you're a mini Jesus, meaning that your life should live and be modeled after Jesus's life. That's what a disciple is. A disciple means I am a little whoever I'm following. We're Christians, which means we are little Christs or little Jesus's. So our lives should model that. All right. So in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 17 through 21, it gives a better word for it. I've given you my own terminology, but we're going to look at this. 17 through 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Hey, if you haven't noticed, this is the first verse we looked at in our first series sermon. The new creation is you. The old is gone. The new is here. Okay? But not only you, but all creation is becoming new. Okay? Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God is was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, here it is, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, that verse 20, therefore we are Christ's ambassadors. What what is an ambassador? What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who goes to another nation to represent a nation, right? So, um we have embassies. The United States has embassies in almost every country. There's a handful that don't allow us to be there. Right? And an embassy is the office, the living domicile, everything that involves the ambassador. Okay, it's a building, it's land. Okay, so do you understand how an embassy works? An embassy is truly sovereign land for whatever nation it's an embassy for. All right, so if we are in wherever, doesn't matter what country, we are in whatever country, if we were to go to the U.S. Embassy, we are on U.S. soil. We're not in that country and we're just at the embassy. Like that land is our land, which is a big deal, which is why if ever a nation attacks a U.S. embassy, that is like attacking the main country of America. Okay, do you understand that? That's why it's a big deal in the Middle East when our embassies were attacked, because that's like declaring war on a country. All right. What is the primary role of an ambassador in those countries? They are to administer and they are to spread the philosophy and policies of the nation that they are an ambassador for. Okay? So if an ambassador of America is in Venezuela and that ambassador begins to change how they or what they're involved in and it goes against what the American policy is or the the beliefs we hold or or how we run a country and it begins to look more like one of the other countries or even the country they're currently residing in that's a that's a bad that's bad they're failing their job and they would be removed right be replaced okay Take all of that, and let's move it into the kingdom of God. You are Christ's ambassador. Do we live in the physical kingdom of God currently? No. We live in the kingdom of this world. Someday, we will be in whatever the place the kingdom will look like down the way. But right now, you are an ambassador in this kingdom for a totally different kingdom, a new kingdom than the one you live in. Everywhere you go, you take the kingdom of God with you. Just like the ambassador of America does. Whatever car they're in, wherever they drive, America is with them. They are in America. You are in the kingdom of God. And just like the ambassador, the way we live must look like the kingdom we're part of. And that's hard. I'm going to tell you why that's hard. Because we've been made ambassadors for for a kingdom that we were not born into. American ambassadors have a really easy job because they, they were raised in our country. So they know the philosophy. They know all this stuff. We, unfortunately, were raised in the world. We grew up in the world. We have been brainwashed by the world to do and live and think the way the world wants us to. And we were adopted into the kingdom of God through Christ, through the reconciliation that that God made through Christ, which is what it said in 2 Corinthians. And now we are living ambassadors for that kingdom, which means we need to get caught up with how that kingdom looks and what it does and what's important to it and how it wants us to live. And for some of us, that will come really easily. And for some of us, we've been doing it a while. So we know the right answers. We know the right way to live. But sometimes we need a reminder. I need a reminder often because I'm, you know, I'm a guy, so I can be forgetful sometimes. Not that I'm forgetful. I, I just am sometimes. I, but we need a reminder that the kingdom looks different than this kingdom that we live in, and it's real easy to get comfortable in this kingdom and to do what this kingdom says is important, because all of all of the the selfishness that's in us that we can so often keep in check likes to rear its head and this world says, hey, that's okay. And it becomes easy sometimes. So we have to hold that in. But well, actually, we don't have to hold it. What we need to do is we need to give it to God. And he can take it, control of it. Because we're, we're called to be the ambassadors for Christ. Uh, and, and Which means we, we have to represent and embody that kingdom and what that's about. And we've talked About what that should look like for the last three weeks in different ways, how it should look in this body, how it should look personally, how it should look in our community, and who we help and what we take care and how we take care of those in need. It it, it has to become part of everything we do. Our jobs and our friends and our families. We've each been given different what we refer to as mission fields to be those ministers and ambassadors too. If you're a teacher, you have students that you can influence for the kingdom. You can influence your coworkers in the way that you you love them the way Christ would love them. The way that you give grace to kids oh, who just get under your skin and you don't want to give grace to. It's the way we give forgiveness to those around us. Maybe you're a nurse or a contractor or or a garbage man or a bus driver. It doesn't matter what it is. You can swap that title in and out. It doesn't matter what you do. We're called to do the same thing. We're called to show love and grace and forgiveness no matter how hard it is. We're called to be the best at whatever you do. Not because of a pride or an arrogance or a bragging sense, but because when we do our best, God gets the glory. He does. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, do all things to the best of your ability for the glory of God. We need to be ministers of mercy and love. We need to humbly serve those around us. We each have families that God has given us. And those are just natural mission fields. And for some of us, they're harder mission fields than work can be. We have kids and nieces and nephews. And we have grandkids and brothers and sisters and moms and dads and grandparents. And and we even have in-laws. They're part of our family And you, you you can tell me, and I know you're thinking it, you don't know my, my family, Pastor Sean. How in the world am I to be an ambassador of love, grace, and forgiveness to those people? <laughs> uh, there's no way that we can do it sometimes. And you know what? You're right. And I don't think it only happens in our families. I think it happens all the time. There's a lot of times that we're not able to do it on our own, and that's okay. We don't have to. When we are not able to muster and to show grace, love, and forgiveness on our own, we have the amazing gift of Christ in us who can do it for us, through us but we have to get out of the way and let it. Because so often our own anger, bitterness, judgment, whatever that would be that makes it hard for you, uh, we put that in front of them, and it's hard for him to do it. We have to get out of the way. Sometimes our family doesn't live near us. Or maybe you don't have family. Well, you do have a family right here. We are your family. You have brothers and sisters right here in Christ. You have uncles and aunts and grandmas and grandpas. You have grandkids right here in Christ who need your love, your encouragement. And you can be that to them. Be the ambassador to them. Love on them. Care for them. That is what we're called to be. And, and when we do that, I'm going to tell you right now if we if we can be a church that truly lives out the kingdom of God in our lives, it will be unnoticeable that's not true that's not the word I'm looking for it will be hard to not notice that I guess that's what to say I was thinking of a, trying to think of a fancy word to make like that it would be so hard for people outside of us to notice t- this, the difference in this community. You understand that? It when you look at the first church the reason that they went through what they went through, the persecution whatever, it's because they were living life differently and people noticed. I and mean, they hid. They hid in catacombs. They they worshipped at night. Like I mean they people thought they were like vampires because they they but what they did outside of those church moments, those, in their daily lives, the kingdom they lived out, the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the thing that was totally opposite what they were being told to live like, people noticed. And they didn't like it. And so sometimes they got persecuted. Other times they got joined. Like people joined them. Hopefully the latter will happen to us. People will join us, not persecute us. But Jesus said, count it a blessing you persecuted in my name. So if that happens, we will. We'll count it a blessing, right? Now receive this benediction. As you go today, may remember that you are not just waiting for the day you will join Christ in the kingdom of God, but that as ambassadors, you are active participants in spreading and modeling the new kingdom that's already here, it's here living at, living inside of you. Remember that the Father loves you. He loves you more than anything, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Follow Jesus this week as your model for what our lives as ambassadors should look like as we love others and we give grace and we forgive those around us. No matter who they are, no matter what it is they've done. Just as he forgave each of us and those who crucified him. Think about that. Christ forgave the people who put him on the cross. For God, he said, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Help us to be like that. And then listen to the lead of the Holy Spirit as he will counsel you and give you wisdom in every situation you find yourself in. He will allow you and empower you to be the true ambassadors for the new kingdom even in the moments when you really don't think you know how to. Now will you stand with me and receive this blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Amen.